Welcome back to How I Deal, where we examine a single pass-close deal, how it played out that way, and provide some hopefully relevant sales tips that you can use in your deals today. My name is Taylor Dollum, full-cycle account executive, now full-time content guy, and I'm joined by my co-host, Junior Latte, the deal disciple here at Pickle. June, what's up, man? It's episode 41. You know, now more than ever, it's time to be religious about your deals. Like anything in the pipeline, be a deal disciple, stick with the process, get everyone you can involved because it's getting tight and you got to learn more to win. A quick explainer for those maybe tuning in for the first time. Each conversation, we cover an entire deal start to finish. What that means is allowing us to dive a lot deeper. So understanding, hey, when did this prospect come into your CRM or territory? All the way to getting that final signature and kicking off implementation. Today, we've got Max Tierney joining us. He sold for three years at Dell and has been at MongoDB for the past eight months. He played hockey through high school and still managed to keep all his teeth, which I think is quite the feat. Max, tell us an interesting fact and, of course, the problems that MongoDB solves. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Junior. Thanks, Taylor, for having me. Kept all the teeth, one chip tooth, though, so that's a win. (laughs) Yeah, so MongoDB, like you said, been here about eight months now. And what we solve for, right, is really to improve developer productivity as a leading NoSQL document database in the market today, right? So improving scalability and development time for software companies and other technology companies out there. What about that interesting fact, Max? I got to know. Oh, yeah. Interesting fact. Chicago, unfortunately, isn't looking like this right now in the winter. But other than that, I'm trying 52 recipes in 52 weeks here. So, you know, New Year's resolution so far, I've made it the whole way here. So I had some good recipes so far and need to figure out one for this week still. Dude, love it. Keep it spicy. Keep the goals running. Make it about food. (laughs) What deal are you walking us through today? Yeah, absolutely. So this was a deal I closed earlier this quarter. So our fiscal year ends at the end of January. So one that came in last month here where we sold our managed service Atlas to a software development company that was leveraging our community, our open source, free to use platform. So it's a migration deal over to Atlas and yeah, a company about 130 folks and yeah, startup Series A funding. So excited to chat more with you guys about this one. I'm always interested, why'd you choose this deal to talk about? For this one, I think it was just a great example of champion building, right? Especially like you mentioned, Junior, it's tough right now out there, right? So we need to really build up champions to sell internally and create a really strong business case. And I think for this deal specifically, it was an individual, right? That was a coach, wealth of knowledge, information. But throughout the sales process, we really built him into a champion to ultimately get this deal done. That's awesome. Awesome. Building a champion could definitely help you win deals. So let's jump into the actual deal here, right? How did you find out about this company? And tell us about your research process. Yes. So this was actually one of the first accounts in my patch. So it's just in our Salesforce page. It was one that a few other reps had worked in the past, didn't find any luck. So new set of eyes on it, right? Let's see if something can happen here. So that was really 
how I came about this account, right? Like one of the first ones in my book. And then in terms of research, for me, what works, I go to the company website, right? Like research, like what do they do? How do they make money? But then specifically, I go into their careers page, right? I want to see like for us at Mongo, like we're selling to engineering teams, DevOps product. So I want to see exactly what responsibilities do the developers have? Do the backend engineers have? So that we can tailor our messaging right to their responsibilities. And also, hopefully they tell us the tech stack, right? <laughs> and the like, hey, you will be working on XYZ. So that's some of the research mediums as long as well as, excuse me, Sales Navigator, right? And then I'll filter by like MongoDBs to see if like they have that skill set as well. So I'll pause there. Sorry, but those are a few things that I look for. I think it's great. When you're considering tech stack, I've run into this too. And maybe you've seen it. If you don't know the tech stack and you pitch someone and they look at your email, they may just respond and say, oh yeah, we we use X, Y, and Z for that kind of thing. Whereas if you can go into it knowing that they already use a competitor, then you can do some unique positioning and they can't get away as easy with, yeah, I know who you are. We already use so-and-so product. So that's a good tidbit. I also like that you opened this deal with something in Salesforce previously prospected by other reps, right? Like these deals exist. There's stuff in your pipeline that has previously been worked that can be closed. Keep that in mind. I think it goes to show you like, not an opportunity might be dead, but there's probably a million reasons why it's changed. So it's always worth kicking over every rock and every tire, right? Tell us about prospecting side of things. When you got your foot in the door, what did the cadence look like? Or what does a typical cadence look like? And why did this one work in particular? And at what point? Sure. Well, it, hey, like anything else, it took a lot of outreach, right? It wasn't just one call and all right, we're off to the races here. It was a lot of like, for me, I like to connect on LinkedIn, like towards the end of the week, right on a Friday. Uh, Thursday or Friday. And then on Monday for like my operating rhythm, I'll send a message or maybe a LinkedIn video to personalize it. So I'll do that cold calls, email, right? The whole nine yards there. And after a lot of different outreach, right? I didn't really get a lot of information back, was struggling. Then I made a cold call to someone that wasn't necessarily on the team that we were targeting, but could get me in the door and ended up getting me into the door. So it's an interesting situation of how we exchanged information there and some of the messaging, but ended up being a cold call, which got us in the door and part of the the cold call, right? So I ended up chatting a little bit about who's on the engineering team, right? Some of the challenges that, that they were having, right? With scale and getting into a little bit technical details. However, ended up not being the correct person. He was on a different team that used a different database. And you know, at the end of it, I noticed he was from Kansas City. This was before the football season started. And I'm a huge, as you can see, like the Lake Michigan hat here. From Michigan, huge Detroit Lions fan. And I was feeling good about the season. So talked football a little bit at first and ended on a good note. He told me, hey, you know what? I'll talk internally, see who the correct point of contact is for you. And then I'll get back to you, right? So hung up the phone then. And I think we've all experienced, right? Like, hey, I'm going to go back and talk to someone internally typically don't hear back from them. They're gone. They're gone. That's like a classic, like, I'll never talk to you again line, right? Exactly. And that's what I was thinking too. So I was like, all right, what's a creative way for me to follow up with him? And him being from Kansas City, we're talking about the Chiefs, talking about the Lions. Uh, I ended up sending a, like a wager email, I'll call it before the season started. And 
how I phrased it was, Hey, if the chiefs have a better record than the lions after three games, I'll end up sending you like MongoDB swag or like a Yeti mug, right? Just as friendly wager. And if not, you help point me in the proper direction, right? Of the point of contact. So he responded to me from that, like pretty quickly. He's like, Hey Max, no need to send over MongoDB swag <laughs> or a Yeti mug. I talked to the correct point of contact. He's been meaning to reach back out to you and he's going to do so later this afternoon. So, that, so you're wagering the lions against the chiefs. You had to know that was like a losing wage, right? Yeah. <laughs> you had to know. <laughs> I did. And maybe it's just me being a delusional lions fan, but it was just something like pattern interrupt, I think is so big, right? Just to catch their attention. Thankfully it didn't have to go to the records because the Lions <laughs> would not have won that bet. So definitely not, but you give them like an easy win, right? Like you give them something that they can't refuse, which is like a winning wager in this case, super well done. I'm all, I'm a huge fan of emails, emails that are just like out of the box, hard to ignore. And especially connecting it from a cold call originally, because a lot of times if I'm calling the person that I want to sell and I can't get to them, the conversation just ends there. When it's now, just think there's other people at the organization you can call, you know, so to keep the door open, I think you did a really good job there. Um, Luckily, you're able to book a meeting here. So talk to us about discovery in this deal. How did you conduct it? What did you find? If anything interesting surfaced, let's touch on those. Yeah, absolutely. So the person that I got in touch with and who ended up being our eventual champion there was the lead DevOps engineer, small company, right? So they wear a lot of hats. We had a lot of discovery meetings, deal progression meetings, and I'd say probably around like five, like true discovery meetings, right? And then some interesting aspects of it. We had a lot of deal progression conversations too. It was a really technical sale. And part of the technical sale, right, in a down economy, you got to tie it back to like a quantified business value for them, right, to do anything, especially moving from an open source free software to a managed service. So one of the things that really helped us win this deal, I believe, is we built a, a TCO or just a total cost of ownership to really quantify their business pains and compare like apples to apples between what they're doing today versus a future state. So I think another interesting aspect of that too, is I built that out with our champion. So I came in with a template of here's what I understand of your costs are today based upon our previous discovery meetings, right? And quantifying some things. Does this seem accurate to you? And through, I was like, yeah, this seems fair. This seems a little low, actually. I would say I spend, instead of how many hours do you work on this? It's what percent of your time is spent managing XYZ. So I think that really helped because it gave him ownership of this deal as well. It gives him ownership and gives you like way more than what you previously had. If you were to just try to guesstimate based on typically our customers experienced this, which is fine and works, you're able to actually create something that is real for them. And I think that's really cool. So moving up the ladder, right, to their CTO or their CFO, right, like more confidence, like presenting that, right, as well. So definitely something I would recommend. Max, you mentioned like deal progression conversations and maybe talk about the actual pain that was eventually uncovered, the different meetings that you drilled down into it or were able to isolate it. But I'm curious, like when you say deal progression, 
What are the goals of those meetings? What were the smaller outputs that move the boulder a little further forward as opposed to a one-off discovery, one-off demo that a lot of account executives typically go through? What does that look like for you when it comes to a progression? Yeah. So after a few discovery meetings of just understanding, like what are some of their little rocks, right? Some of the smaller pains, we got to like the main problem for them or the main pain eventually. And it's almost like leading the witness in a sense, right? Like, okay, we understand this, we understand that. And then getting to the bigger problem at hand, which is for them, they could not onboard enterprise customers. So if they were to onboard an enterprise customer, right? And like in a month, they wouldn't have the capacity to do that. And that's a significant business risk. So in our deal progression meetings, what we would do is I didn't unreal solutions architect, right? I think a lot of us in sales have that technical resource and really help to build trust throughout the two demos we had. So while my solutions architect is going through a demo of like what our champion cares about most, right? In his day-to-day, I was doing ongoing discovery throughout trying to quantify some of their pains and just understanding like why he finds certain aspects of our platform interesting. How are they doing that today? What would that mean for them if they could automate this process tomorrow? Like where could they spend more of their time? So I think just having an opportunity right on each call, it's ongoing discovery, right? There's always more information that we can uncover. So we were able to do that throughout, which, which really helped drive this opportunity forward. You answered my next question. I was going to ask you, you mentioned the solutions architect, right? And I was like, okay, so solutions architect is like clicking the actual buttons and doing the demo and you're still there to sell, right? Like you're still there to like make sure this thing progresses. I was going to ask what type of questions would you ask during this where you answered some of that where you're like, hey, how would this automate the process for you? What would the impact be for the team? All that kind of stuff. So I've got a different question. This is something that I faced in a previous role and it was a point of friction. How have you solved the problem internally when you've got like a solutions engineer or a solutions architect who hasn't been part of the discovery process but join for the later stages, right? Because you've got like a team of 10, 15 reps, but there's only three or four solutions engineers. So they can't join every meeting. How do you keep them up to speed with what's going on? Yeah, I think having at least one prep call, because like you said, constrained resources, they're supporting so many different reps. So if you're able to find time to have a prep call and as the sales rep really own that, right? Have everything organized for them. So it's a smaller uplift for them so that they're fully armed as well as preparing questions like, hey, here's some of the questions I didn't get answered in our last couple of meetings that I really want to get answered. So formulating a plan of what roles you want to play in that demo or in that additional like technical feasibility workshop, let's say, right? Of just assigning swim lanes. I think it really helps it or else it can get awkward, right? If you don't come in with a plan. So it's like, all right, do I ask a question here? Do I wait? Right? So coming in with a plan for it. Yeah. I think that's really powerful because you see internally like the handoff from SDR to AE, there can be friction. And now you're like adding another element of AE to SE sales engineer and those prep calls, obviously in between help plug each other in and figure out like, what's the best plan of attack here? What needs to be shown, right? Like no matter what, we have to demo these pieces. And then on the actual like sales progression side, right? We have to uncover X, Y, and Z. So great layout there. 
Max, naturally any barriers are going to come up, but particularly in this deal, what were some things that might've hindered the deal moving forward or maybe preemptively that you saw ahead of time that you took care of? Yeah. Time kills all deals. If it's just an ongoing deal, right? With no firm like deadline on it. So one thing that was a little bit of a barrier to us, we had everyone on board that needed to be on board, except the CTO had one reservation of, hey, how do I know this will meet our performance standards? Super fair question, right? That we need to answer and make them comfortable with the decision. We ended up doing a proof of concept or proof of value for it, which ended up taking around like a month and a half just to really get all the details and make sure that they were very comfortable, right? Moving from managing themselves to a managed service. I would say, thankfully, it didn't cause any issues, but it potentially opens us up, right? To something going wrong, especially over the holidays too. So I'm sure that as you were like structuring the proof of concept, you had to make some considerations, right? Like how do we provide them a proof of concept in such a way that at the end, they don't decide it's not good enough or decide like, okay, we did it with you. Now let's go do it with somebody else. Did you have those conversations? Like how did you balance knowing the risk versus the ask? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think for us at this point, it was so late in the deal and they spent so much time with us. They really wanted to get this done too. Like our champion wanted Mongo to win. And that's where you want to get those champions, right? So what we ended up doing is like, hey, if we meet XYZ success criteria on this for performance, will you move forward with us as a provider? And that's where we got the verbal agreement on that. But it certainly opens you up. Thankfully, we had a really strong business case for them that we built together that they were all in on. So we positioned ourselves well. And I think defining the success criteria with your champion or your customer too, really gives them the ownership of that joint partnership. Yeah. Business case, ownership, and then champion, like three things that you mentioned there that are really powerful. Let's recap the deal timeline. Tell us how long it took, how many meetings and the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. So it was about a five month sales cycle and deals can range anywhere, right? From a couple months to six months. So this was probably a little above average, I suppose, in terms of deal length. We had about 20 meetings and involved in those meetings were discovery, demos, deal progression, you know, proof of concept, negotiations, you know, all of that fun stuff. So it was a lot of meetings. And one thing I think is really important as a call out, like if you can text your champion or text your customer, that just adds a whole lo- another level to your deal, right? That you just have built that credibility where you can shoot them a text, right? Or a quick phone call. So Champion and I texted a lot, whether it was about college basketball, right? Or actually about the opportunity. That a bunch of just, like I mentioned, right? Having that number probably made around like 20 texts, 20 calls. We didn't do a ton of emailing back and forth. We would for like, hey, here's our specific criteria. So it was documented. So I'd say it's probably about like 10 emails back and forth. But a lot of it was done over these Zoom meetings. And then we also did what I think is huge, especially right now, is meeting in person. So we did a dinner with our champion, my manager, the CTO. And I just think that it's night and day, right? Over over Zoom versus like actually meeting in person and getting to know them. So I think those were just a quick recap there of how it all went down. I'm curious 
texting wise, probably a ton was covered at that point. It might not feel like emails are exchanged, but maybe because of the amount of texting, you probably hit the finer points and then the rest was handled in meeting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just like some quick one-off questions, right? Just clarifying questions that we both wanted to get answered to make it go a little quicker, right? And get them the answers they needed. That was big. And then with that information that we exchanged back and forth, for me, at least, I put a lot of the next steps in Salesforce just to keep organized. Like, hey, on this date, we talked about this. Here's our next step. And then we use G Suite. So a lot of my discovery notes, like the TCO, business case, all that good stuff, I just stored within the G Suite. But I know other folks have different organizing or different ways to organize, but that was, that was how I did it for this deal. Makes a ton of sense. It sounds like this deal wrapped up smoothly. Some barriers, but a lot of them just preemptively handled. But I'm curious, Max, when it comes to maybe this deal or other deals, what are three tips that any sales pro listening today can take away and implement in their deals? Yeah, I would say be creative, right? These customers are getting a lot of outreach. So stand out, have a pattern interrupt, like the wager email. March Madness is coming up. So a lot of teams out there, like my Michigan State Spartans. So I would suggest, (laughs) (laughs) suggest that. Had to throw in Sparty there. Yeah, creativity is one. Second, I would say come with an opinion. Do your account research, target who would be a good persona to reach out to and come with opinion. Worst case scenario, right? They either correct you or send you to the correct persona. So I think that's important. And then third, for this deal, at least what was critical was building the business case and the total cost of ownership with my champion. Give them ownership over the deal, right? Make sure you agree on it together. And it gives them a ton of confidence to go sell this deal internally. There's like five or six things through this podcast that could just be standalone things, right? Cost of ownership, like creating that and really understanding what that means. At the beginning, you mentioned the champion was a coach at first, and then you were able to like get the coach to a point of being a champion, right? That could be a podcast in its own. So a lot to learn here. If you have questions for Max, you can find him on LinkedIn, but Max, it was great chatting with you. Thanks for joining the podcast, man. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. And hopefully this helps some other sales professionals out there. So appreciate the time. And just like that, another episode of How I Deal is in the books. Thanks again, Max, for joining us. Thanks to everybody for listening. We will see you next time.